Well, are we ready? We're doing the back to school episode first. Sure. Is that right? Sometimes when I go to a different script, then things happen and I'm lost for a minute. But I did it with success. Look at you, girl. Way to go. Okay. (laughs) You're going to be so good at surfing. Oh. You guys, I have to get, and then I had the wrong wetsuit because I guess it's hot in. So I'm like, you guys, and I have this wetsuit, and they're like, you're not going to need that. And I'm like, well, I'm going to need something to control my body while I'm out there because I guess the water's really, really warm. I love it so that you're Mom's not. Mom's day out. Otherwise, <laughs> you, you, me. <laughs> you jump up and your top's off. You're like, I'm so <laughs> that my top came off. Did that count as our, uh, our fun banter? The top coming off? That's right. Mercedes? Okay. Yep. Perfect. Good. Mercedes top on. is on, just so everyone knows. <laughs> Wait, she's got it on. Everybody's appropriate. I'm not <laughs> surfing right now, but watch out, Mexico. <laughs> I come to town and surf. <laughs> we'll see what mood the ocean's in that day. How sassy is the ocean going to be? <laughs> okay, ladies. Enough of this. <laughs> Let's shout some more than shift some narratives for people with Down syndrome. It is the end of August and September is right around the corner. And you guys know what this means. It's time to talk about going back to school, back to life, back to reality. (laughs) Today, we're answering all your questions and giving some updates of our own. So thanks for joining us, friends. Welcome to the Lucky Few Podcast. All right, friends, I know that you have seen in the past pictures of our loved one with Down syndrome on the jumbo screens in Times Square. And maybe you know what that's about and maybe you don't, but let me tell you a little bit more. The National Down Syndrome Society, NDSS, is leading human rights organizations for all individuals with Down syndrome. Have you heard of the Buddy Walk program? I know I have, it's one of the very first things we did in our community when Macy was born. More than 130 Buddy Walks were held in 2021. That's so amazing. The annual NYC Buddy Walk, which is the flagship walk for the National Buddy Walk Program, is quickly approaching. Join NDSS for the 2022 Times Square video and New York City Buddy Walk on September 17th. That's September 17th, friend. It's right around the corner. You can also choose the walk at home option and celebrate from any location. Every year, NDSS reminds the world in a big way about the value that people with Down syndrome bring to their communities through a special video presentation on a jumbo screen in the heart of Times Square. It is so good. The presentation kicks off the NYC Buddy Walk and is streamed live on Facebook across the country. Then you're gonna head to Central Park on buses for the NYC Buddy Walk. It's gonna be the best day of your life. Don't miss it. Learn more and register today at www.ndss.org. Okay, we are here. We're together. Ladies, it's Hi. been it's been a minute since we've been sitting in the same virtual room together. I know. I love being with you guys. It makes my heart so happy. Yay. Me too. My I've friend. missed y'all. I know. So we're talking about back to school and I just need to tell the listeners that we're recording this earlier, the beginning of August. This will come out in three weeks. So by the time this comes out, the Avis kids will be fully back in school. So if you're following on social and I'm talking about school and it doesn't align with this up with the timing, that's why, but still a lot to talk about with just these questions and preparing for back to school. Oh, every time I say it, I throw up a little bit in my mouth. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's how I feel. <laughs> I understand. Oh man. I feel like so many parents get to back to school and it's like, yes, I can't wait. And I get that too. Like, yes, my kids should leave my home now for a few hours a day and that will be good for all of us. But it's just a different conversation when we have kids with IEPs, mm-hmm. you know, and coming off of last year, right. Being yeah. like the wildest year, a lot of yeah. change. Yeah. Last year was pretty, pretty bad. 
<sighs> but we're not even supposed to start talking about that yet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I jumped. I just haven't we decided not ahead. to talk about how bad <sighs> last year was. I know. Sorry. <laughs> we don't talk about last year. <laughs> <laughs> you know, before we start talking about going back to school, which we're going to, I think Mercedes has a review. <gasps> okay. Laura McLean um, from Instagram DM'd us and said, honestly, I think I shared the episode about dual diagnosis, no less than 25 times. Mm -hmm. We do not have a dual diagnosis in the house, but it helped me so much understand where those moms were coming from and just the intricacies of trying to figure out what belongs to what diagnosis. It was such a good conversation and so raw and honest. I'm so grateful for you guys for discussing these topics <gasps> that, and that was a hard one. So it I was like, a hard one. It was a hard one. So that's such a wonderful review. And we're so thankful, Laura, that you took the time to write that and share that with us. Okay. Friends, don't forget to review the show on Apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcast so we can read it out loud next week. We love reading these and appreciate your guys' support so, so much. Well, you guys, it's, it's time to talk about the thing that we don't want to talk about, but we're just going <laughs> to rip the bandaid off because school is going to start back and we have to deal. Okay. So are you guys ready to deal? I'm ready. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's oh do it. Hands. Let's do like a super quick, this is our plan. And then I want to get to it. We had listeners leave a lot, a lot of questions. So maybe yes. we just go down the list and punch these out. Okay. okay um, and then it. at the very end, listeners hang on tight because we're going to also punch out. We have like a dozen or more episodes that we've talked specifically about back to school stuff, some with incredible experts. So we'll list those numbers for you. So you don't have to search for them. And then, um, you can go back and listen to all of them. Your back to school homework research. Nice. Yes. Okay. First question. I'm going to, Oh wait, let's start this way. Mercedes, Micah, then me, what are the plans for your kids for back to school? Okay. So Last year we started mid-year, my boys, Shepherd and Rhodes, um, in a, uh, homeschool hybrid. So they go to school two times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and then we homeschool at home Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. So we're going to stick with that. And we really like it. It's called heart Christian Academy. They're nationwide. And it's been super great. And then on Tuesday, Thursday, the boys join sunflower and I at the enrichment center where we take our, what's it called? Our electives. So like ukulele sign language, farm school, reading book club. So then those are, and then I work. So that's where I work. So mm-hmm. I also work there. So on Tuesday, Thursday, we all head to the electives homeschool program, which is fun. I love it. And then so Sunny, dreamy. Sunny does on the Monday, Wednesday, is Sunny home with you? So Sunny then on Monday, Wednesday does her, yeah, she'll be home with me and she does. Um, oh, I'm so glad we're talking about this. Actually, I'll have something to share Monday, Wednesday, Monday, she'll do her PT OT and speech. So that's kind mm-hmm. of like her therapy day. And Wednesday, um, she'll come with me to this. It's so great. It just opened up strive to thrive. It's a program homeschool program specifically for kids with special needs. So anybody can join, right. But they're just putting at the forefront. If you have special needs, you're in the homeschool community. This is a school that will take you because still that's a thing mm-hmm. and it's still a thing even within homeschool that there are different vendors that may just not feel it's always they use this wording not equipped mm-hmm. for your child with a disability so a friend of mine who I've met doing the other things named Shauna Llewellyn I think is her last name started strive to thrive camps summer camps like fun thing and then 
is now pursuing an enrichment center for specifically inviting students with disabilities. Um, and I'll give you guys that link too. Okay. Um, so you can have it for the show notes, strive to thrive in their nonprofit. I'm really excited to be part of it. We're just, it's in the new beginning phases. So I'm along for the ride and eager for sunflower to have more peer interaction within the disability space and also all the really neat, cool opportunities, homeschool, and that kind of environment can be for kiddos with disabilities. That's awesome. That's really cool. Do you have a sense of what it will look like? So Wednesday um, strive to thrive. Um, and, and they're actually going to be, I will be part of that on Wednesdays, but they're off wanting to offer more days just with my schedule and having still brave at home. I can't do all the days, but um, different teachers are going to teach different things. There's going to be like, um, a yoga instructor I'm doing music movement and like what's it called? I basically want to have a talent. My class is basically a talent show each week. Perfect. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> of like course it a is. Rock talent show each week. I'll bring stuff. It's a Disney day. Okay. Now it's a Beatles day. Like it's going to be themed and then mm-hmm. a book club. And so we'll read a book. So I have one hour. I have like three, one hour classes. And so that, so I'll just share my classes. So that will be one. So it's music movement and performing. And then, and my other block hour is, um, where I read aloud and they can be, um, listening through, I'll either bring Play-Doh that day or, and like being, making something while listening. And then also, um, we'll make like a book report. So I read a story while they're crafting and doing something or just sitting and listening to me. I just know Sunny likes to draw while I read or my boys will like to do Legos. So I'll bring stuff for that. And then as a group, we make like a group book report on that story. Cool. And then my next one is homesteading because I (sighs) really like to start seedlings and talk about plants and botany. And I think it's really fun to be in the dirt and talk about worms and all that stuff. So those are my three classes. And then other people are teaching other stuff like yoga, um, music, like drum circle. Um, it's very home. It's very homeschooly stuff. I love it. <laughs> and I love then it. there's an art class from an art teacher, um, who's been doing it for like 50 years. Yeah. It's all That's like amazing. elective fun classes mm-hmm. and there's some core, like there can, you can also, which I thought was cool. There are going to be some teachers who are there for core classes and more as like a tutoring. So maybe they have two students in their class and they're for core subjects and, um, and they're only going to take like one or two at a time so that it can really tailor the environment to the student since we are working mostly, hopefully with kiddos with disabilities, you know? So, um, there are those opportunities too if you want core classes. Um, but those classes won't look big, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. This sounds like a dream. And where yes. is it available? In North San Diego. And that's the only place as of right now. Yeah. Um, so the mom at, that's starting it, cause you know, the moms, they always get yep, the, the moms do it. The moms do it because there's no places. Um, she's in Escondido. That's where she lives. So her goal is to have something in Vista or Oceanside because that also attracts Carlsbad, Carlsbad, um, family. It seems central to San Marcos and, uh, what's Fallbrook. So that's her goal. So if you guys think about it, that's the thing we are trying to find a space. She has a church, so we will start no matter what in September. And there's a church that will offer us a space, but it's not the ideal space because we want a really great outdoor setting and we want something that we don't have to tear down Mm -hmm. and put back up. Mm -hmm. So that long-term goal is for her to be able to find a space that is strive to thrive space. Very right cool. Now, 
Okay. So listeners, listeners, we'll make sure that we have a link to that. That's so cool. And uh, Mercedes, it's affirmation time because I just want to say that I'm so impressed with Mm -hmm. the way that you have pursued homeschooling because you've believed it's the right thing for your family, but you've also made it the right thing for you because you're so social and you need community and you have just like found your places and you are, are serving in those places and you're doing amazing stuff. And I just love hearing about it. So yay for Mercedes. Yeah. I echo all of that. (laughs) That's amazing. It's been really cool to watch. Yeah. It's very cool. I love all that. If, it, if you're in the Inland Empire and you'd like to start that exact thing <laughs> next week, <laughs> we're in. I will help. I will not start. Um, <laughs> that's so great. I love it. I love it. All right, Micah, what's what's your boy's plan for school? Um. Okay, so we had a really amazing IP at the end of the year, and I don't know if I got to share about it. It was like, you know, our end of the year was June, yeah. mid-June. So uh, Ace is going to be in a general ed second grade class. Wow. You know what? I think you were going in to request. I think that was the conversation, right? We had last. You were going in to be like, hey, guys, I actually want to try this. And you were nervous. So I'm so excited. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm very proud of his school because they, they, this is new for them and they have a lot set up for, for the autistic community, but not inclusive practice, Mm -hmm. not, well, I shouldn't say not inclusive practices, but not like general ed inclusion, Mm -hmm. um, for, for autistic kids. So it was, uh, they're just really amazing and up for it. And he's going to have a one-on-one he's going to go um, have morning meeting time with his second grade class. He'll have all of his, uh, he was already doing PE and lunch and recess and, you know, art and stuff like that with, with his, um, general ed peers, but you know, he wasn't part of the community of the classroom and that's what I really wanted to see and, and allowing me to know the parents and, um, allowing there to be like, you know, just more it, it to be his home base. So he'll mm. still be going for his main academics because he really does need to learn in a one-on-one setting. And that has been what's been difficult about pursuing inclusion for him because I know he needs one-on-one mm-hmm. learning. He's too distracted and mm-hmm. it's really hard for him to focus in a, in a big classroom. Mm-hmm. So he's going to get that still. And so he'll kind of go, um, he'll have to be pulled out some, but he's also going to get push in, um, his therapists are going to be coming into his second grade classroom and I'm just super pumped for him. And I'm excited for him to become more, you know, as we talk about a full member mm-hmm. of yeah. his school community, that's, that's basically it. He's starting a new AAC device. Mm-hmm. They, this will be his third try. Um, so I'll keep you guys updated on how that goes. And he is generally, um, oh, I know what I was going to say. We are starting a, uh, a new ABA private therapy service. He's going to do a social skills group. And I found this, this ABA, um, group and they are, you know, we've, we've had challenging feedback about Mm -hmm. ABA and there's a lot of reasons to have, um, pushback about ABA, uh, this group, I feel like we're, we share the same values about what ABA can be and should be. And so he's going to be going for a social skills group. They are going to be, uh, coming to our house one day a week to work with him after school. And they just told me, yes, two days ago that they would go with me to dentist appointments and haircut appointments. So I'm amazing. I may not have to cut his hair anymore. We may, I may like be able to go to a real barber. That's so great. My God support. And so I'm really excited about that. That's awesome. Now, um, you said this will be his third AC. What is it called? ACC device, AAC device. So there's, 
yeah. what were not wrong, but like, what was the difficult parts of the other two? There's, um, they're all, you know, they, they all have parts of them that are, they all have their pluses and negatives, right? Mm-hmm. So the, he started out with lamp. They chose lamp because they felt like it was right for him in terms of the buttons being in the same place all the time. Mm. So you with lamp, every time you say hello, it's going to be in the same spot on the screen, even when the screen is changing, which I think you kind of have to see how an AAC works to be able to explain that. And I, so I probably can't explain it very well, but like there are home screens. There's like, you can go to the food section. You can go to the chat section. You can go to like fun and ask for toys or whatever, but on lamp, they're all kind of in the same space. So you don't get confused about where things are. Mm-hmm. Um, even when the screen changes. Okay. Then, but they felt like it was too stuck for him and he wasn't able to like get to Expand, enough things. Kind yes. Of so yeah. And pro to go is generally thought of by a lot of speech therapists, or at least the ones I've encountered as the best of mm-hmm. uh, best scenario. And so he started using pro that those move around. And so you you go to the, the chat section, but you have to remember, like, mm-hmm. if I want to say hello, I have to find, I have to scroll to the next page from home and then find chat and then go to the page that says hello. Oh. And it's just really complicated. Yeah. And that's been the hardest part for Ace to, in using his, his AAC is that he just, he knows where Mango is. Of yeah. course he knows where Mango is, but like the, the things if he's not super motivated, he's like, this is just hard. And I'm not, I don't yeah. feel like saying hello and I'm not going to find this right now. Especially so, if it's a minute away. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> and then so then, he's, yeah. he's trying a new thing that they just did a reevaluations in the spring, decided that this um, other program, and now I'm forgetting what it's called. Maybe touch. Pad. I, I, somebody's going to be like, Ooh, you don't know, but, uh, the, <laughs> or boo, you do know every, some the hater, haters going to hate my Haters going to hate. Um, I'll let you guys know, but he gets it in September and I really want, I really am hoping he can catch on and want to communicate with his, yeah. his AC. Um, I think it would make such a difference in his life if he really felt motivated to do it. So I'll keep you guys updated. Yeah. That's Ooh, a big learning thank curve. You too like to have to switch is a big decision because he has to essentially start from scratch Mm -hmm. um with language but yeah i hope i'm hopeful for this one too if it doesn't work is it like okay let's just go back to lamp or go back to something that was working or that's not part of the conversation or that's not how it works it well i think that it's a pretty because it's such a big deal they're pretty committed like this is at least for the next year and then like unless there's like some drastic reason why it's not going to work. So, okay. um, cause they get a whole, he's getting a new iPad from the school district and yeah. they're putting a whole new thing in. So we'll see. Okay. Is he has, have you, um, worked with him or can, need to continue to work with him with like proper use of the iPad? Like, does he throw it? Does he like not want to be with it? Was that part of in the beginning with him, with the, the device for language? Yeah. It was in the beginning. He's pretty good at like one of the things that they, they say really strongly with AAC is like, you never use that iPad for anything else. And so, okay. It's um, only for communicating. It's only for communicating. So there's no shows on that iPad. There's no, and he doesn't even think of it that way, which is great. Like it's, it's not something he gets on and is like, I'm going to try and, you know, get on YouTube. So Um, and he's pretty good. I think at the beginning he did, he used to throw a lot of things off the table. And so the, that iPad's always there with him and what he's eating and, but he's gotten used to it and he is pretty good about like knowing what it's there for and using it properly. So, but again, like that's always, that's always an issue. Anytime we start something new and it just takes a lot of intentional work to use it correctly. And then that device goes, stays with him home in school. It just goes yes. all the places with him. Was that yes. a, was that a, tra- a challenge to get? Because I know in California, that can be a problem. 
Like they'll say, no, it just stays at school. That was not in, in California, at least my experience with speech therapists, they were like, absolutely. It has to go with you. It's okay. his voice. So I haven't found any, anybody who's been like, oh no, that needs to stay at oh, school. Oh, interesting. Okay. They, I have a friend right really, now. Oh, really? Like I'm literally asking for a friend who at, Hey, everyone who's listening. This is just a little insider. I'm going to give you her phone number and you guys are going to connect because. Okay. Yeah. Cause yeah. that should never be that way. It, I agree. It really is. It's considered it's voice. voice. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I'm really excited for you. And I love hearing the hope and joy in your voice about it. And, um, it's going to be great. He's going to have an Thank epic you. year, second grade. Yeah. Second I'm excited. Grade. So good. I'm so August is going into second grade again. And yes. yeah. So we, um, just like in a nutshell, August is going to second grade. We met the teacher at the end of the year. I don't remember what I've shared on, on episodes if we ever got to all this, but his- you shared about how he ended up going to the grade below yeah. in, in January and mm-hmm. what a gift that was mm-hmm. and how. Yeah. Yeah. So he had a great end of the year and then, and then a plan. Um, we ended up hiring a lawyer and we've never, this is the first time in, I mean, Mason's 14. So in 10 years of going to, and being special education with our kids, this is our first time actually hiring a lawyer. And so it, we've got some help this next school year and towards the end of the year. So August has met his second grade teacher and he's feeling great about her. She's feeling so excited about him. He has an inclusion specialist who were buds. And so she has texted me and let me know that she and his second grade teacher are doing trainings this summer on inclusive education and, um, specifically down syndrome and like getting ready for August. They're so excited. So that's all I want is a teacher who's super excited to have him. Yep. He made some good little friends last year in the first grade class. So I feel great about his community with his friends. It's a good little group. I'm hoping certain kids are in his class with him. We'll see. But he's really excited. He's feeling great. I feel good about the teacher. She sent me a direct message on Instagram and said, I hope it's okay. I'm reaching out here and gave me her phone number and asked if I would come talk to the class. And she loves having families in her class. And as often as I can be there, she wants me there. And she loves theater and they do like a big performance, which is right up Augie's alley. So it's going to be, I feel really hopeful and August is really excited. And that's, that's all we could want, you know, um, truly stars going into middle school and she is so excited and I will follow her lead and it's going to be great. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and Macy will be in eighth grade, the last year of middle school, and they'll be at separate schools. So truly is going to go to our local middle school, which is a few blocks up the street. She can walk to and from or ride her scooter or her bike. And she really wants to do that. We let her have the choice if she wanted to go with Macy or go to our, the one in our neighborhood. And most of her friends are going to the one in our neighborhood. And so we'll have three kids at three schools, which isn't the best, but that's kind of what we've always done. And true. She's pumped. And then Macy will be back at the other middle school. We're still, um, it's so much, it's so much, it's so layered. And I don't think there's solutions and that's what feels the most frustrating. So Right now we're, we're still in conversation about her doing a half day, but there's a revolving schedule. So it's not like she just would go the first half or the second half. It'd be different every day, like the three hours that she's there. And, um, that it, everyone's like, we don't do that. So it's still, I don't know that we can, we might need a doctor's note. It's like a, it's all up in the air. I've got a great team of lawyers on it with me. So we're trying to figure that out. Macy is not excited to go back to school and I'm waiting for, the Lord to drop an alternative on my lap. So we've looked into every charter school option locally applied to some and not gotten in. We've looked into private schools so that the applications have been turned away. We've the homeschool route. It would have to be really, it'd have to work for our family because I work full-time. So it, I don't know. We, yeah, Josh and I are talking about me not working. Like what would it look like to take a semester to not work, but I'm the main breadwinner essentially. And Josh could do it, but he also is the main breadwinner. Like what we do is just weird and mm-hmm. all consuming. So if you are the part person who the praying type, the put good things into the world type, just feeling real burdened for this next year for Macy mm-hmm. and oh, good luck. I'm going to start crying. It's just too, mm-hmm. it's, it sucks. The whole scenario sucks. So my sweet mm-hmm. girl, 
but we have a week to figure it out. <laughs> uh, I mean, she'll start on Wednesday. I don't know. I don't know what we're doing. Anyway, I don't know that middle school can, I don't know that that age group can work in the ways that Macy wants it to work for her with mm -hmm. peers and stuff. I think middle schoolers are a hot mess. Yep. And so it's just lonely and all the things. That is our plan. And here we go into Q&A. <laughs> I love you. Oh, me too. I love them too. They're so great. Okay. I am just going to jump into Q&A. This question, have you attended a school board meeting? If so, why or why not? I have not because I can barely get my kids to the dentist. And those are my reasons. <laughs> I just haven't. <laughs> How about you girls? School board meetings? I haven't either. No. Mm -mm. I feel similarly. Like let's, I'm, I subscribe to good enough mothering and <laughs> Good enough means like I get the IEP done and I learn what I need to know for that. And I get them to therapy and yeah, school yeah. board meeting. No. Yeah. But I think more it's power like, to those people. Totally keep going and show up for us. And I appreciate, I appreciate it. I do feel like there's like levels where it's like, there's the classroom level, the school level, mm -hmm. the district level, you know, and it is a lot and enough for me to try to try to figure out the classroom level with my kids. And I know that the powers are at that district level, but yeah. it's just yeah. not where we've gone yet. So, so there Merce, I'm not trying to leave you out, but where's your, I think that you are the school board. Everyone in my household gets an A. Any changes that you need run it by Mercedes. Done. Yeah. I don't have a school board. I think I'm killing it though at PTA. Totally. You <laughs> are my own mind. <laughs> I love that. Um, okay. This person asked, have you moved to a new district and what was it like to switch the IEP and the main people involved in it tips for continuity for our kids? Um, I'll take this one too. And you guys can jump in. We have moved three different times. And, um, so your IEP goes with you. Your IEP is a legally binding document and everything that's written into your IEP if it can be met within reason, then the new district is responsible for meeting that. So for example, if your kid had like equine therapy at one district, which would, I mean, show me that school, but let's say that that was a thing. <laughs> and then you move to a new district. It's really not within reason for the new district to like buy a horse and a trainer <laughs> and fulfill that. So chances are you will have to work that out. That will probably come off your IEP. If in your IEP, you had agreed to an inclusion specialist and the new district doesn't offer that it is, in my opinion, it would be within reason for the new district to make that happen. So if it's in your IEP and have, before you move, have that IEP solid, like make sure that you have a solid plan and then you move with that IEP and the new school and the new district is legally bound to provide those things written into your IEP if it is within reason. So and moving is so hard and switching it up is so hard and continuity for our kids in those kinds of circumstances is so hard. And I think that the school thing might feel really hard and just remember at home, like you are that continuity. They come home to you, you love them. You are a safe space. They will always, they will know that. And then at school, do the best you can, you know, and it's just such a um, curve. You'll get there, but it takes a while, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Micah, you've moved. Yeah. I'll just, I'll add that. I mean, we moved across the country. Yeah, There was a lot of internet research that went into it, but of course you cannot, like, you can't talk to the district ahead of time. Yeah. You can't call them and be like, so how easy are you? I mean, you know, like <laughs> how cooperative are you with like, what these want. sorts of requests? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they're like, uh, you need an address. Um, so, <laughs> One of the things that I found that helped me a lot was looking for organizations that you already know. Like if you are moving to a place you really don't know anything about, see if there's a Gigi's Playhouse within 
50 miles of that, that town or district, see if there's other organizations that you might know, or just do a search for, um, you know, inclusive organization, you know, there's lots of searches you can do to find people. And then if you find people, you know, I called the Gigi's Playhouse that's 30 miles away from where I moved. And they were able to connect me with some other parents of kids with Down syndrome, and even with dual diagnosis in my area. And then I could have phone calls with them and be like, what do you know about these districts? What do you know about, you know, their inclusive practices, what's a good town to live in, what has a lot, where are the good doctors, you know, just all of those kinds of questions are really, really helpful. It's the same sort of thing as like, how it's so hard to find a pediatrician without Mm -hmm. knowing other moms who can tell you what they like and don't like. And, um, but that's the gift of all these organizations that exist. Like they are packed full of amazing parents, no matter where you go, who know their stuff and want to help. And that's, you know, the lucky few community is a real thing. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's my advice is like, just know ahead of time who like get to know some people ahead of time, talk to the parents and they can point you to districts that will be great before you even start looking for houses or anything like that. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's really good advice. Mm -hmm. Uh, do you want me to just keep reading here? Yeah, yeah. we can okay. go to the next one. Yeah. My son is starting kinder at our local elementary. I'm happy with his IEP. What does it look like to stay on top of what is going on in his classroom school with his IEP? How do I make sure things are going smoothly when I'm not there or seeing his teacher every day? How long do I give the school to implement entire IEP before I get involved? Mm. Oh gosh, he has that mama heart of your kid going to kindergarten and you just so don't cute. know what's happening every second of the day mm-hmm. and you just want to so be hard. there for it. Oh, I feel you, mama. I know that like having having a kid who's nonverbal and mm. knowing that I can't get information about how his day was, I was able to ask early on when we started at his school in New Jersey for some sort of communication paperwork every day. And my teachers have been really, that means not even in the IEP. And I think you can request it in the IEP, but they've just been super cooperative about it. They let me know how, like he gets it. He's, they send home a chart about potty training. They also send home a chart where he circles what he did at school. So it's like today I went to music and blah, blah, blah. And then his aide writes a little note. So I just have a sense of what he did. And there's space for them to tell me if there was something particularly fun or something that was hard or something like that. And there's a way to ask for, for those sorts of things. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's very reasonable a kindergarten, especially to have a daily communication back and forth. And I don't imagine a teacher would push back on that and they might have one they already use. It might not work. So just kind of like working along with the teacher and then with the whole team, if you need to get it in the IEP, maybe under accommodations and modifications, I'm not sure, mm-hmm. but yeah, uh, that, that daily some, and it depends on the teacher. I've had teachers who would text me pictures of my kid throughout the day, you know, like, and some teachers who will not give me their phone number and will yeah. be very slow to email and both are okay. Obviously I want the pictures of the day. <laughs> but it, absolutely. The daily chart back and forth. And then, um, how long to implement the entire IEP before I get involved. I mean, in, a, in an ideal world, day one, every modification and support is in place for, for your kids to be successful, but you have 30 days. Um, so at the beginning of the school year, request your 30-day IEP. And within 30 days of the school year starting, you should get together with your team and see what's being implemented. I mean, everything should be implemented by then and hopefully sooner. But yeah, that 30 days mark, I think, is the what the, where where we have clout in terms of saying we need things done now and And you're going to do great. Your bit, your son, son. Yes. He's going to do amazing. You're going to do great. Yeah. Too. I've done very minimal traditional school, but I just know a kindergarten. Cause I know in some schools it's like drop off of the gate and then they walk. But if you do get to see the teacher, I feel like drop off and pick up to connect. Yeah are a big, like essentially a big deal. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And, and also if you can volunteer, I mean, not everybody Mm -hmm. can, of course, there's uh, so many of, of us are working, but if there's a way to 
find time to volunteer, um, even just once a month and be able to be in the classroom and see what is going on in there. Um, that's really helpful. I also, I think we probably will, um, have a link to Ashley Barlow, but she Mm -hmm. has so much good stuff Mm -hmm. in her podcast and just on her website. And last year she had a, a post about like the three things you should do the first day of school. And that was really helpful for me. It was like, write this letter, like, you know, send this thing to school, you know, just set your intentions with the teacher of like, this is what I'm going to be like as a parent. These are my expectations. And I'm really looking forward to our relationship. And, and I think just having that open communication is really, really helpful. That's so good. Okay. Ashley Barlow's episode is 131 and Ashley with an E follow what she's doing with IEP stuff. She's brilliant. So such a great resource. Um, Okay. I hope that was helpful. Next aids, one-on-ones versus less support. How do you find the right fit to allow for independence, but also safety and appropriate supervision? Good question. (laughs) (laughs) Good question. Mm, What do you think, Heather? I mean, I've got thoughts. I I feel like I'm just saying so. So, um, (laughs) this is a really delicate one because it has everything to do with the aid. We Mm -hmm. feel like in the years we've had, Mason's always had a one-on-one they get it or they don't. And if it's an aid that doesn't get it, it is not helpful. It is more harmful. And so then it's like, okay, how do we pull back? But knowing that for her to be in a genetic setting, the teacher needs that support there too. So I think it, it's really tricky. I don't even, I mean, it's so tricky. Um, we very clearly communicate to our whole IEP team that autonomy is so important that we need to be allowing independence and as much independence as possible and assuming that they can in every scenario possible before having an aid be like a shadow. So an example we'll use is if Mason can walk from point A to point B, whether it's the bathroom or depending on your student across the classroom to the office or the, how do we let her navigate campus by herself with an aid, like hanging way, way, way back. So if there's an earthquake while she's walking. I don't know, like the aid can run and help or she gets lost or whatever. So just being very clear, clearly communicating upfront what your hopes are and your expectations are for the aid. And then we have had aids that we've had their cell phone number and the whole IEP team has been great with that. And then we've had aids where it's like, we cannot interact with the aid at all. We have to interact with the teacher who interacts with the aid, which is my least favorite scenario but we've had to do that. You know, like, it's not like we can say, no, that's not an option. That's, I think that's kind of the norm. That's like the starting point. And then depending on the person with August. So Mason has a one-on-one who is with her. It is ideal in a classroom setting. And we communicate this again, beginning of the year, the classroom believes that that person is there for the whole class, that her peers believe that that person is there for the whole class. So as much as that person can have them help the teacher. Like we say to the teacher, Hey, guess what? You get an extra adult in your class this year. How awesome is that? So utilize them as much as you can. And then as much as it's needed, then the person will sit alongside Macy for academic tasks. I know it's different. Some students need like hand over hand. Some students need that person right next to them the whole time. Um, And even then always just saying, where are there moments for independence? And I think it comes down to, do you believe my kid can? So again, it's like that personality thing. Do you believe that my kid can do things? Then naturally that person is going to like step back and let it happen. So it's hard. It's a hard one. It, oh, it's really hard. Um, and real quick, August, we noticed he started TK without an aid. And then um, we realized, especially because of toileting, that in the TK class was only a gen ed teacher. There's no aids. Some schools have like an aid in kindergarten, but a lot of budget cuts took those away years ago. So we realized that, oh shoot, we, they just need another body in the classroom for August. And so we talked to the district because we didn't want a one-on-one because August's personality is such that it would be less helpful for him to have that person. He would pull back. He wouldn't, he shuts down if he's being overly helped in the setting. And so we had it written to his IEP that every classroom August will be in, there will be another adult. There will be an aide in the classroom that he is in. And then it's communicated that that person is Augie's 
Augie is that person's priority, but it is more so to function as a classroom aid. That way there's another body in the classroom and the adult to kids um, ratio is, is half. So that's how we have it written in for August. And again, some aids, it's been like amazing. Other aids, it's like, do you see how this is written in the IEP? They have to back off. They are, should not be sitting next to August. This is not how this is supposed to work. And you communicate it over and over and over and over. And then another aid, they just get it. They just get it. So, and, or the teacher gets it. And then the next year you have to start again. Sometimes it's like such an incredible support and so needed and, and can be really tricky to navigate in my experience. I appreciate you sharing that Heather, because I think there's you, you have such, I think that can be really, really helpful for people to hear the way that you've navigated it with Augie and having that as an option, because I think there's probably a lot of families who need that kind of support where someone is there, but they're not like breathing down their kid's neck, you know, holding their hand Mm -hmm. the whole time. And I, Ace started out pre-K without an aid. He was in an inclusive class with two teachers. So there was a special education teacher and a general ed teacher. And that was when it became clear to us, like that was the year, um, his first year pre-K where we started to realize that more was going on and he eventually got his autism diagnosis. Um, and then, and that was when it became clear that he needed more, um, one-on-one help. And so a lot of his, his aid is really, I mean, there's so much that ACE needs right now in the classroom. He's still learning how to hang his bag up when he gets in the room how to put his coat away. And, and those are things that his aides work on with him. He still is doing toilet training. And so he needs a lot of support and, um, we've had to navigate like his first year, he loved his aide and she loved him. And she just had like a vibrant personality. And then last year he had a new teacher who has just a different feeling about aides. She feels like some kids get too attached to their aid and will only work for them. And so mm-hmm. she tries to keep it open and has aides kind of move in and out of different kids. So she'll, she has like a classroom of aides and those one-on-ones will be like three different ones are assigned to a kid. And they, mm-hmm. one week they're with one aid, one week they're with the next one week they're with the next. And that was tricky for ACE because he still had the aid he really loved the year before. And I would notice that toilet training was amazing. The weeks that he had her and the other weeks mm-hmm. that he had the other people, he was like, I'm not going to pee for you guys. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. so I think there's, there's, there's so much to navigate when it comes to one-on-ones and I'm still trying to figure out like, what do I believe? Do I believe I should push for him to have the aid that is amazing? Even, you know, that the idea is like, if she's not there, is he going to shut down? Is he not going to do anything mm-hmm. and he needs to be flexible and all those things. So it's tricky, it's tricky. but I think there's, uh, yeah, it's helpful to hear your experience, Heather, and how you guys have, uh, have put some things into place in the IEP. And I think that's something I should think about. Yeah. And it is with, it's not within an aid within their contract to do additional hours at all. So like for a teacher, it is. So we requested always that our aides are at the IEP because they spend so much time with our kid and they don't, and they're like, it's not within their contractual hours to go to IEPs. Um, and who's with your kid when they're at the IEP and you're like, Oh, God bless. But, um, I mean, maybe people really need to answer that question. A lot of people could be with your kid while the aides at the IEP, like Mm. a lot, there's a lot of options. Anyway, that is not an, a usual thing. And again, we've had some come, we have some not, um, I always ask before an IEP, like, can we get the aides input at least and have like in writing that we're including somewhere in the IEP, what like these certain questions, present levels, what we're looking at towards goals. I want their input because they're a vital part in the IP. And then, um, trusting your gut a little bit here too. Like what you're saying, Micah, you'll, you're going to get people like you're saying ACE has these three different aids. It's okay. As the parent to say, Hey, I've noticed this isn't working. I appreciate that you do it this way. It's not working for ACE. And if the person has a lot of pushback, then it's like, 
bring the whole team in, you know, and then if you need to hold an IEP meeting to be specific on a, like the one-on-one, then hold the meeting, you know, like it, Mm -hmm. it's okay to push back. If you know, if you, you know, your kid best, you're Mm -hmm. with your kid all the time. Nobody on the team knows your kid. Like you do your input should be the most important on the team. And so I think it's fair to say like, Hey, this isn't working. Can we create a protocol or, you know, whatever it is. So it's, yeah, it's tricky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Let's do the next questions. One of them, Mercy is about homeschool. And I feel like you did, you gave us a great overlay of why you're doing what you're doing and what's working. Do you have any, any other like tips for parents in the homeschool world, just specifically for your kid with down syndrome? Totally. We could probably do a whole episode on homeschool. Maybe yeah. one. we should one in California specifically. That's where I'm at. We chose homeschool and I went with a homeschool public charter program, which means I get funds for sunflower as a student. So each student in California has funds. And usually that just goes straight to the public school that they're part of. Or if you decide to homeschool, you um, can take those funds and they don't go directly in your pocket. They go directly to curriculum that you may want to choose or directly to um, the enrichment program you want to use for that. In addition to that, if you are a homeschooler who has an IEP, you also get separate funds to take care of your OT, PT, and it also can take care of your curriculum. Like we do a lot of, Sunny loves to do writing um, without tears booklets. Mm -hmm. So like they, that doesn't have to come out of her funds as a homeschooler that comes out of her funds as a, uh, as a student with an IEP, because that just helps her continuing to write and practice. So, um, at first I was like, oh, I don't want her to have an IEP. Cause I don't want her to be labeled just in case we d- do decide to go back to a public school setting. But in our case, it's actually just been the best scenario so that I can take her funds and she can go to elective programs and I could drop off and she is provided a one-on-one aid. Um, so that she can most successfully, like we've been talking about navigate mm-hmm. and be part of those programs. So, um, that's been a huge blessing of doing homeschool, still creating the atmosphere I want for sunflower and the different unique classes that I want her to be a part of doing a public school charter has been the best because she gets an IEP. She still has OTPT speech through them and that's provided for, and we get the one-on-one aids so that when she goes out and takes the elective classes, she could still have her supports yeah. and stuff like that. So, yeah. It's good to know. It's good to know that there are, there's a lot of options um, yeah. for kids with disabilities or with IEPs to, mm-hmm. to homeschool. Yeah. I would imagine a good old Google search for where you mm-hmm. live is a good jumping off point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Let, I'm going to read through this list. So listeners just pause, grab a paper and a pen or get out your notes because, or you can also just go back and look at August, September episodes, because that's when we usually talk a lot about back to school, but episode number 10 in, on inclusion with Kristen Enriquez, she was 10 and 11. We had her early on. Um, Kristen Enriquez is brilliant. I think her website is Sevy Smiles. And she knows inclusive education, um, has a son with down syndrome who's 14 episode 12. So happy to learn with Mrs. Terry Brown. We need to have Terry back on Mrs. Mm -hmm. Terry Brown, check her out, do all the things, anything she tells you to do, you do it, whatever she says. (laughs) That's my life motto. Episode 39 with Vicki Brett and Amanda who, um, are the IEP lawyers. They're actually the lawyers we hired. This is who we are working with. They are incredible. They're inclusive education project. IEP is their organization. Episode 40, back to school, all things, education, inclusion, down syndrome, episode 77, also back to school. COVID-19, we talked about that kind of stuff. So 
with Dr. Spinazzi, episode 80, Assuming Intelligence with Dr. Sarathi, episode 85, Is Inclusion Always the Best Option? Episode 94, IEP during COVID. Again, our friends from the IEP, the Individual Inclusive Education Project lawyers are here. Thank you. Back to school, preparing for the school year with Ashley Barlow, episode 131, episode 132, back to school part three, featuring Kristen Enriquez. You guys, we have had the best people on our podcast. Um, episode, <laughs> episode 134, social stories for our kiddos with Dr. Lena Patel. So there it is, friends. If we didn't answer it here, we have in the past and it is there. 100%. <laughs> it's so good. So good. We're going to do good. Everyone hands in. Back to school. We got this. <laughs> All right. But before we close up this episode, we're going to come back in a minute and hear about some good news and what we're celebrating in our loved one with Down syndrome's life. I have a new children's book. It is called Everyone Belongs, and it is a story about two sisters who create a show. And other people wonder, can they be a part of the show? And together they create a show where, you guessed it, everyone belongs. So it is available right this very moment. And you can go anywhere you order books. If you're excited to bring into your kid's life a book that teaches them that, in fact, everyone belongs, and you want that book in your kid's classrooms and all the spaces, go ahead and order today. You can also go to heatheravis.com slash everyone belongs to learn more. The National Down Syndrome Society, NDSS, is the leading human rights organization for all individuals with Down syndrome. Founded in 1979, NDSS supports and advocates for the Down syndrome community by focusing on three key areas of programming, resources and support, policy and advocacy, and community engagement. Within these focus areas, NDSS engages on various activities, events, and programs on topics that are critical to our community such as federal and state advocacy and public policy, health and wellness education, and employment. NDSS creates resources to support individuals with Down syndrome, their families, and caregivers across the lifespan and hosts awareness and engagement events throughout the country, including the National Buddy Walk Program, the Times Square Video Presentation, and New York City Buddy Walk. Racing for 321 on World Down Syndrome Day, Run for 321, DC Golf Outing, the annual NDSS Gala and Auction, and others. The New York City Buddy Walk is the flagship walk for the National Buddy Walk Program, and it is quickly approaching on September 17th. The Buddy Walk was established in 1995 by the National Down Syndrome Society to celebrate Down Syndrome awareness. More than 130 walks were held in 2021. You don't want to miss this one this year. Register for a walk today at www.ndss.org. Time for good news, time for good news. Everybody, welcome to the good news. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're back, and it is time to hear some good news from one of our listeners. We have a note from Imterlandy. Imterlandy. M M I N T E R. L-A-N-D-I, who says, my three-year-old jumped for the first time today, both <gasps> feet off the ground at the same time. So good. So, so good. And we know all about those beautiful moments. And jumping is a big deal. It's been a big deal for Ace. The jumping yeah. is a major expressive, <laughs> a major part of his emotional expression. <laughs> So I'm so happy for you and your kid that you get to enter this new world. Oh my gosh. I love that. I love that. If you are a listener and you have good news, you can share it with us on Instagram, DM it at the lucky few pod or email us like hello at luckyviewpodcast.com. Thank you for sharing that good news. All right. We're wrapping it up now. Thanks Josh Avis for editing this episode, Val Schleter for producing it. And thank you to our intern, Ashley, for helping us with social media. If you like this episode, share it with family and friends and don't forget to subscribe. And you can head to the luckyviewpodcast.com for show notes. There's going to be a lot of links in this episode. So if you didn't write everything down and you forgot already, just go to the luckyviewpodcast.com 
to this episode, episode 175, and you'll get you'll get links to everything that we did. Make sure, make sure you're following us on social media, the Lucky Few Pod, and listener, this is just a reminder, you're slaying it. We love you. We're cheering you on, and we can't wait to be together next week. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye. Bye.